When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, get ready for the podcast. Get ready for the podcast. Go to have a podcast. Get ready for the podcast. Brendan. Get ready for the podcast. Brendan. What? Shut up. I. How else do you expect me to perform? Shut, Jeff, shut your fucking mouth for one goddamn second. I have someone for the podcast. I don't know who it is. I sent word. I, I sent word to Republican Heaven. I sent a telegram. Okay. I said on it. Because Tom Courtney's alive. Yeah, because Tom Courtney's alive. He's the guy we want, but he's yeah. still working. He's going to be in that Railway Children's sequel. That we talked about. That we mentioned, and we will check that out at some point. We did point. the episode already. Did we? It was in the future. Oh, it was in the future. Okay. Jason, I've hit my head very hard. That's fine. We'll, we'll work around it. Time, time, you know, time uh, is an illusion and lunchtime doubly so, as Douglas Adams once said. I sent a telegram to Republican Heaven. I said we watched Billy Liars. Send me the best person you could think of. So you should be Donald coming right about. Well, no, he's still alive. Fingers crossed. I'm back, bitches. Oh, no. How you doing? Oh. Richard Nixon in the house. Oh, President. I heard you watched Billy Liar. Yeah, it wasn't about you. That uh, movie came out in 1963. Yeah, was that was that when a, Kennedy was in the White House. Was that a good year for you, Mr. No, Nixon? that was a terrible year for me. He got all the all the glory. He stopped the Cuban Missile Crisis, and then he died. Jason, why are you putting your arm around him like your old buddies with Richard Nixon? Well, I've known Dick for a long time. Uh, when I was a child, a very young child, Dick would come over and play Nintendo with me. Yeah, I taught you the spirit of competition. Yeah, you did, and you would slap me every time I lost when we played NES Ice on Well, you wouldn't play Techno Ball with me, and you know how I love football. See, he doesn't seem like a great guy, but I, I just agree with his politics. Yeah, no, and I, I really liked uh, Roger Stone's um, Nixon tattoo, so I'm going to get the same one. That's a good boy. You and Roger, you're two peas in a pod. Now, let's not go that far, Dick. <laughs> yeah. So you watched a movie called Billy Liar. I saw that movie in 1963 at my lowest point, and I said, that's a kid that knows where he's going. I walked out five minutes before it ended, but I bet it was good. I bet you it all worked out for him. I'm sorry, Mr. Nixon. Did you say 1963 was your lowest point? Yes. Jason, does he not remember the thing with the gate? That was that was in the 70s. That was 1973. Yeah, but he's saying that 63 was his lowest point. Yeah, because that was the year that Kenny, Kennedy uh, uh, became a hero and, and then got shot. So and was, worse and, 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 than Watergate. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Well, I got away with Watergate. Oh! <laughs> David Frost couldn't do it, but we did it. Well, I'm dead. Who, what am I going to say? <laughs> what are they going to do, sue me? Anyways, fellas, we're, we're, we're really, really excited for Tom Courtney to join us. Really excited. I got, oh. a, I, got a, I got a club up there. Only certain people are allowed. Tom Courtney, you're one of them. Oh, I can only imagine. Republicans, which means up there everybody's allowed. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Well, you should probably take that jet back, President Nixon. But it's been great here being here, fellas. Uh, God bless you. God bless America. God bless uh, the Queen, I guess. I mean, only in the sense that I don't wish her any specific harm. She's not my monarch. Nixon away! Oh, boy. I always like it when Dick comes by. What a guy! What a, he's a, he's a real he's a real uh, he's a real laugh that one. You, you just like having dick around, eh? I I will admit it is fun to say that. Yes. You're, you're just a big fan of dick. Yes, it is fun right? making all the penis jokes. You uh you like dick? He yeah, loves you're, them. You're a you're 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 a homosexual. Sometimes I call him Cock Nixon. You li- you're a gay man who likes to have sex with other men, including their dicks. No, I'm a closeted gay man, so no. Thank Classic. you. Thank you, Norm. We love you. We R- miss you. R.I.P.D. I like to imagine everybody that dies actually goes into the R.I.P. The win, or, yeah, that when they die, the first people they see are Jeff Bridges and uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. everybody remembers that movie, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. I didn't even see it. And why do I know about it? Because I'm a fucking insane person. What? Why do I know about it? Because I've seen it and I'm an insane person. Yes. <laughs> well, we are, a- we are insane people that get together once a week, Brendan. And what do we do when we get together and be insane? Well, we talk about British films. That's right. Here on the podcast called... For Screen... And Country. We talk about, in fact, the top 100 British films of all time, as voted on by the BFI. Yes, the the top 100 films of all time prior to 1999. Yes, and, uh, you know, we do other stuff too, but that's mostly what we do. That's Well, that's been our focus, if you will. Yes, and we are talking about our second last movie. This, on this is list. the penultimate episode of the British Film Institute's Top 100 list, Brendan. How exciting is that? It is pretty exciting that I can say that I've now almost seen this entire list. I know, isn't it? And, and you've also seen the AFI list. What so. if we just stopped right now? Oh, and just left, just did never watch the third man? Just didn't talk about the third man. <laughs> the troll in me wants to do that, but well, the realist like, to me says no. We have to see the first and second man first, yeah. and then we'll see the third man. Yeah, I don't even know. Well, there's first man starring Ryan Gosling as uh, as Neil Armstrong. Oh, we haven't okay. seen it yet. we got to nope. watch that first. Is there a second man? Uh, yeah, second man is, um, um, uh, 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 I don't know. Well, after first man, we'll, of course, watch the best man. With Ty Diggs, I'm assuming. And then the best man Christmas, uh, best man goes Hawaii, uh, best man uh, and the tuxedo starring Jackie Chan, uh, best man Rumble, that's the one with Jackie Chan again, Rumble in the Bronx, but with best men. Uh, what else you got, Jason? Okay, so we have to watch the so we have to watch the first man. Yeah. Right. All the ones I named. But then we have to read. All the ones I named. And all the ones you named. But then eventually we have to watch The Second Man, which is a, uh, or, or read The Second Man, which is a Steve Martini novel uh, in the Witness Impulse series. Uh, and I can't find a good summary of it, but uh, I bet you it's a, a taut uh, psychological thriller. Are we reading it on the podcast? Yes, out loud. Okay, so it'll be like a script reading. Yes. Cool. I'm just, we'll get to it. Um, Yeah, this movie, but Jason, this week we are talking about, again, it's our penultimate movie on this list, like you said. It is close to the end of this list. We are talking about number 97 on the BFI Top 100, and that, of course, is uh, Nil by Mouth. But before we discuss this film, we need to read some comments regarding last week's movie that we talked about, and that was, of course, Billy Lawyer. Fly into the... Comet Zone. No. Dive into the Comet Zone. No. Dig into the limit. Not on board. Jason. What? Take it, Jason. I won't I won't fall party to your dumb games, Brendan. 
All right, well, let's just what read do some... you want? You just tell me. No, no, I just want to read some comments. It's fine. Oh, okay, let's do that. Uh, there's very few, Jason, so I'll just read them to you. Oh, okay. And I I'll want listen. you to react thusly. Uh, wait, 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 hold on a sec. Gotta prepare. Okay. <sighs> I'm ready. Okay, just a few quick comments about this movie because uh, it is. I don't think that many people have seen it. Hmm. Uh, Mark Th- Mark Thomas Ingalls says this movie slaps so hard. Ooh. Okay. That's a that's an endorsement. If I ever they should put that on the box. They should have right on the BBC. Mark Mark Thomas Ingalls of the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eric Iniguez says. Last time I saw this movie was maybe 10 years ago, the Netflix DVD era, LOL. Oh. I remember liking it and wanting to watch more of his movies. The loneliness of the long-distance runner is good, too. Yes, it is, because we've seen it. Sure, we, we have actually seen it, and I would say this one's a little more fun. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's a <laughs> different kind of movie, but sure. yes. Um, and then finally, Jason Bo Malpas says, Billy Fisher is my hero. That's his real name, I think. Oh, okay. We read the book in school, and I immediately saw myself in him. Tom Courtney is fantastic. Just a beautiful little film. Oh, that's that, you might want to have some further self-reflection there, sir. Yeah, maybe 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 you should rewatch uh, for the hero part. Billy's Billy's got some heart to him, but maybe not the greatest guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you didn't. Co- I mean, I hope he just like just his carefree attitude was maybe. maybe I hope it wasn't everything. Well, yeah, yeah, because maybe he's lying to us now. He could be. Jason, shortest comment section ever. That's all we got, but that's okay. We need to find out how this movie compares to an American film that I'm assuming is exactly like it, because it has to be, because it's going to be the same number on the AFI Top 100 that's on the BFI Top 100, and I assume the theme is they have to be the same movie. Well, the last time we did this, didn't it was they were both John Schlesinger movies, weren't they? Because it no. was like, didn't we do that once, and it was like one movie was Urban Cowboy by John Schlesinger, and the other one was... Uh, oh maybe yeah Yeah. but that might not have happened yet because i have recording schedules confused me maybe maybe but uh yeah so what number are we looking at it is number 76 on the uh, bfi top 100 jason so what is number 76 for the americans oh an interesting uh, character to compare uh number 76 on the afi top 100 is 1994's robert zemeckis directed forrest gump Okay, well, um, this is a clear win for Billy Liar. Um, Forrest Gump is a well-remembered, if not very flawed movie. It's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. I really liked it as a kid. I don't know if it holds up. But, yeah, so we're going to have to give this one to Billy Liar just because Billy Liar does hold up. Bit bit problematic, that, yeah? Perhaps, perhaps, yes. But I'd have to see it again to give it a full, full endorsement. But for now... In the in the acting position, uh, Billy Liar. All right. Well, there you go. Billy Liar takes it in the fourth. Uh, so that's it, Jason. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about this week's movie, which is, of course, the movie that Gary Oldman directed himself, Nail by Mouth. He's not in it. Don't worry. Jason, I'm sure we've heard plenty of great themes, but I think that that music pretty much encompasses what this movie is, and that is... 
1997's Nil by Mouth, directed by, but not starring, Gary Oldman. Doesn't even have a Hitchcockian cameo in the movie. No. Unless he's like under some makeup or something. I mean, did was, he even direct it? We'll never know. Oh, was we he ma- there? Was he maybe that old guy that was like up in the window with the bad ponytail and the an ugly face that was screaming at them? I can guarantee you, Jason, Gary Oldman was not in this film anywhere. No. Oh. Mm, I thought maybe he had done the makeup thing like that. And like it was before Hannibal, and then he did the makeup <laughs> thing, and then he was like, "Ooh, I want to do that again." No, no, I don't believe so. Okay. Um, but th- yeah, directed by Gary Oldman, um, and another a weird phenomenon, like I mentioned. A guy who is uh, known to be a really good actor. Oh, amazing actor! Um, One of the best is not is not in any of the movies on this list. Hmm. Although maybe that has to do with it being before 1999. So I don't know. Well, I mean, fuck. Well, I guess the professional's not a British movie. I don't know how the Scarlet <laughs> Letter's not on here. Yeah, I'm just kidding. The that Fifth movie's, Element. That movie's horrible. That's also not British. <laughs> Neither is True Romance. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's directed by Gary Oldman. But I'll tell you who this movie does have is your old buddy. Your friend, Ray Winstone. Absolutely. Um, as Ray. Sure. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Kathy Burke as Val. An old friend of mine, because I watch a lot of British panel shows, and she shows up on things like 8 of 10 Cats Does Countdown, and she is wonderful and hilarious. And I was really surprised to see her here in this movie, because I didn't realize she was doing, she did serious acting, and she's wonderful. We also have uh, Charlie Creed Miles as Billy. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the I think, I believe it's uh, Valerie's brother right if anybody here is familiar with giant bomb uh he looks like a uh like ben pack's younger cousin for some reason that's what ran through my head this entire movie sure uh we have layla morse as janet that's uh billy's mother um and i mean let's see who else do i want to point out uh i think that's probably it the rest of the people are there's the actors well, the grandma the grandma's Kath. good Yes, Edna Dora as Kath. The, mm-hmm. the actors, the actors are good, but ultimately, like they're the only ones that I really knew. The only one that I really knew was Ray Winstone. I didn't really know who Kathy Burke was. But, yeah, uh, Ray yeah, Winstone. But, it, but yeah, Ray Winstone was the one guy I'd really you seen. Know, Darth in Maul. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> That's his name, right? <laughs> oh, I'm Darth Maul. Ray Park. Ray Winstone. Ray Parker Junior. Ray Parker Junior. is Darth Maul. He should have been. He ain't afraid. No, he ain't afraid of no Jedi. <laughs> I'm going to get sued by Huey Lewis again. <laughs> Pod racing makes me feel good. This is a movie, Brendan. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. We're talking about a movie, right? Yes, no movie. Mouth. This was filmed on what I believe was a type of film stock, possibly 35 millimeter, maybe 16. <sighs> okay. Uh, it features actors. Oh, my uh, God. Being arranged on sets. So if you're just joining lighting, us, uh, Jason is going to go through the plot very meticulously. Uh, the actors are, are shot from various angles, and then that is later edited together into a coherent kind of flow, if you will. Can we just like copy this audio? Brendan, future Brendan, if you're listening, yeah. take this audio and just put it on every episode just, at just, the beginning. If, just so we explain what a film is to people that aren't familiar just, with how a film works. we got to give everyone an in, yeah, right? For sure. They need to know where we're coming from. It's like it's like when you ad- adapt a book into a movie. You can't assume anyone everyone's read the book. Yes. No, for sure. For sure. What is this movie, Brendan? That's a rhetorical question. Keep your fucking mouth shut. The answer is, this is a movie that has been made by an actor. Is that it? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what this movie is. It's a movie that's been made by an actor. For good or for bad, that is what this movie is. Okay, so Jason, plot-wise, what do we got? So we got... uh, Did you guys watch Secrets and Lies? Pretty much that, in a lot of ways. It's about a bunch of fucked up people that are related to each other and the life... 
that they are living. It's kind of slice of lifey in the darkest sense. It's very bleak. Oh, it's very bleak. Uh, it's kind of comparable to um, uh, the one with Pete Postlewaite. What's that one? Oh, the, uh, distant voices Dis- still lives. Distant voices still lives, or possibly even maybe even like little faces. Small faces. Small faces. <laughs> little faces is an oysterhead song. Yeah. <laughs> Small faces with maybe a bit of train spotting in there. Like this is definitely like like train spotting if it wasn't so upbeat. And it was set in like uh, London or something. If like every scene, if like every scene in uh, train spotting was like the baby scene, that would yeah, be this kind of yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, this, this is a movie, Brendan, of wonderful actors and intense performances and long lingering uh, camera shots and and slow zooms and extreme tightness at times of almost claustrophobic sometimes it's like gary fucking back up <laughs> just a little bit like we don't we <laughs> i feel like i'm invading their personal space back up a bit well and it's got that it, so it's got that sort of like faux documentary kind of feel and a little it also bit, yeah it also feels i know we talked about how mike lee feels kind of like robert altman but mm. this feels like robert altman this more. Is, yeah gary oldman said i like mike lee i like robert altman what if i Shove them together into a movie. Yeah, because I, I feel like the Robert Altman style of like dialogue kind of overlapping each other and stuff like that. Um, maybe I'll just give everyone an example right off the bat because in the opening scene in this movie, they're all in the bar. Mm. The guys are off doing their thing. The wives are off doing their thing, or the girlfriends, or whatever. It's like a fucking mafia or something. Yeah. And uh, one of Ray's friends, Mark, is uh, telling this like joke that he's probably told 500 times. And Ray is like, you'll hear people talking over him. You'll hear people in the bar in the background louder than you normally would in a movie. And uh, this just gives you a sense of what you're in for. So anyway, I'll get to the door, right? I'll ring the bell. I should be stand- true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ring the bell, right? I'm standing there. I'm waiting, right? There's a geezer standing there in a see-through woman's negligee, right? He's got all the fucking tackle hanging out. He's stark bollock naked, right? Mm. He's got a great big lardy going. Yeah, one right? of both wins, isn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the cigar was bigger. <laughs> so he says to me, oh, hello, you must be Mark. My wife Deborah's told me all about you. Drinks are in there, party's through there, right? And he's pointed, pointed at these doors. What do you call them doors in the fucking films? What do you call them in the, in the cowboy films? Them doors that you get. Louvre doors. Louvre doors, right? So all of a sudden, I'm stuck. Sorry, mate. All right, mate. Cunts. Wants to sit in me fucking lap, doesn't he? Anyway, so I go through these Louvre doors, right? And as I've looked around, you ain't gonna believe what I've seen. There's about eight or nine couples all bang at it, right? There's fucking... It's an orgy. It's only turned out to be a fucking orgy, right? There's arseholes going up and down. There's tits everywhere. It's like watching a bluey, right? I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) oh, I'm having some of this. This is a bit of me, this, right? Mm. So I've stripped down, right? Stripped down to me boxer shorts. Sat down on the sofa, picked up an album cover, mm. and I start rolling tell the joint. The tell them about the bird. Tell them about the bird bending over the sofa with a big herbs. There's oh, a bird standing next to me, right? She's got, over, she's leaning over the sofa. She's got the biggest pair of tits you've ever fucking seen in your life. They are like that, right? And I'm looking at her, thinking, "Fucking, oh, I'd like to get hold of that." But I've looked round. She's getting it from behind. She is getting a severe portion right up the fucking Gary, right? <laughs> the bird looks down at me, rolling the joint, and she said to me, "Oh no." It ain't going to be one of those parties, is it? <laughs> Buzzing. Oh, man, they're going to smoke weed here? <laughs> I love that uh, the line uh, that she's getting a severe portion. That's just such a such a descriptive piece of language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Notice in that scene, so you don't, you don't see it, because you guys won't see it, because you're not in the studio with us where we're both naked. 
Um, but, Certainly. But that there's a brief moment in that scene where a guy walks by and he says, you know, he stops and he says, like, fucking cunt, sit in my lap, why don't you? Yeah. But then he stops and he just goes right back into it. That's Mark. Because yeah. Ray, very different how yeah. he well, reacts to anything like that. Mark stops, looks at him and gives him this, like, glare of death and kind of takes a second to kind of, like, just, like, focus his rage almost. And then he goes back to the story. That, that's what I mean. I think, yeah. he, I think he's the controlled one. Yeah, because if, if the guy had done that to Ray... He'd be dead. Ray, well, Ray would have sucker punched him or something. He would have waited late till later in the night and then sucker punched him when he wasn't looking. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. I was waiting for a scene later to show that they like beat him up in the bathroom or something. Well, that's the thing about Ray's character is that he is all this bluster. And literally, I think the only time in the movie we see him actually fight someone successfully is he sucker punches a guy out of a laundromat. That, that scene is hilarious. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. But I mean, then, it's horrible, but it's hilarious. One other time he actually gets into a real fight, he just gets the shit kicked out of him immediately by a mulleted Scotsman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so this... Uh, so, yeah, the, the Robert Altman thing, like the dialogue, yeah. yes. The dialogue in this movie is very naturalistic. Um, now, in a Robert Altman movie, that can be a problem. So even even more of, of an issue in a movie where you have some very thick accents uh, going on. But, I mean, the, these are not the thickest of British accents, and there are far thicker accents. You can handle it if you just really put your mind to it. I feel like if they did this in, in Kess, I would have a hard time. Yeah, oh, yeah, geez, the Yorkshire people going. Wow, yeah. The Yorkish. Yorkish. Yorkie. The York, York, Yorkshireman. I would love to go to Yorkshire. That's where Sir Patrick Stewart is from. Uh, and that's where that guy from uh, the internet is from. You know the guy. Tom from MySpace? Mm, no, I think, he's, I think he's from Manchester. Manchester from MySpace? You know Manchester? I know Manchester. Mm, Manchester's a nice man. Manchester by the sea. That's where I want to be. Not anymore. Not after seeing that movie. Oh, it's a sad movie. Oh, yeah, that is a sad movie. That is a real sad movie. I've not seen it, but I remember hearing about it. Casey Affleck gets very upset. You know what's the saddest movie? Love Lies is starring Philip Seymour Hoffman. Acknowledge me! I I don't know. Oh, you should watch it sometime. (laughs) When you want to feel sad, watch that movie. All right, I will. This movie basically boils down to, so we kind of have some situations. We have, um, so Ray is married to Val, played by Kathy Burke. Uh, They are a couple. They live... With their, uh, they live with them. Well, uh, Billy was living with them, I think, but then Ray kicks him out. Billy was living with them for a bit, as well as Billy's mother. Yes, right. Billy yes. and Billy and Val's mother. Yes, because yeah. Billy. Yes, because Ray is married to Val. Val has a brother named Billy, yeah. and Val and Billy's mother, Janet, lives. Yes, lives uh, then, there with. Then they've they got the grandma together. there too. They have a grandma there as well. It's a big yeah. family. All in a little shitty apartment. And yeah, they're they're clearly like working class people. It seems that their life consists of, you know, like many British people, they go to the pub a lot. Uh, but Ray is clearly a party guy who likes to go out and drink a lot and do cocaine and get into fights or at least talk about getting into fights. And I mean, he's probably cheated on her. We don't see it. But we don't definitely see it. Cheated on her. But a guy like that. Yeah. He's... I mean, he goes up to a woman and says, I want to put it in you or whatever he says there. <laughs> That's probably why he doesn't ever get it, because he's not very good at picking up women. Not really. Uh Ray yeah. Winstone, however, pretty good at it. Pretty good. and But he plays such a scumbag in this movie. I mean, like like the guy that Ray Winstone plays in Sexy Beast is a scumbag, but he doesn't beat up his wife. He's like a reformed scumbag, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. He's like a professional bad guy, not like uh, like Ben Kingsley is. In yeah, he's, he's, yeah, exactly. He's not a psychopath. He's just a guy who knows how to do a job. Yeah. This guy's a fucking, this guy, With Ray, minimal... is a fucking nut job. Exactly. I wouldn't say Ray is... Uh, 
I think you said he's very much bluster. Um, I would say that if you're close to the same stature as Ray, I don't think he poses any real threat to you, though. Like, I think he's yeah. a lot of talk. Well, that's it, because the one of the big scenes in this movie is uh, uh, Kathy is out of the bar now, as we learn in the movie. Kathy, about Val? Kathy Burke. So Val. Val. Val is nine months pregnant. Or not nine months pregnant, but she's pregnant. She's pregnant, yeah. Uh, but still going to bars and smoking and drinking. Of course, uh, as you do. And at the pub, she's playing with some guy that she knows who's a friend of her other friends. And she's at the bar, and Ray makes her go home. And then Ray wakes her up in the middle of the night, and after he's been stewing and drinking and getting angrier, and like accuses her of fucking this guy. And she has no idea what he's talking about, because she's literally, literally, she's like, he's... He's just a friend of my friends. We were playing pool, and he proceeds to beat the living shit out of her. Yeah, like he, just, goes, he goes full raging bull. Oh, man, he goes fucking nuts on her. And, of course, that causes her to miscarry, and they lose the baby, and uh, 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 Val is just beaten completely senseless and is quite injured from the from the whole thing. Yep. Um, and then we have a subplot kind of with, uh, with Billy. Billy, meanwhile, is having his own shit going on because he's a heroin addict among other things, and gets kicked out of Billy, or gets kicked out of Ray's house, so he's kind of living on the street, and we. Ha- well, I think one of the saddest scenes with him is when he and he has to convince his mom to take him to buy heroin. Well, he originally he shows up and he says, I want to use the car. Yeah. And she says, you're in a state, you can't use the car like that. And she knows what he wants, so she drives him. Not only, Jason, does she drive him to get heroin, he does it in the back seat. While she watches. And she and there's that fucking horrifying moment where she just looks back and she says very concerningly, mm. are you okay? And yeah. it's just like, oh, breaks your heart. Yeah. I was going to ask you actually about this. This is one of the major things I wanted to ask. Yeah. Where does that fall, like, morally? Well, you know what? And, and that's... That's the thing is I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a tough situation for any parent to be in because I understand as a parent, you don't want your child to be in pain. And when Billy shows up, he's dope sick. He is going through withdrawals. And that is a fucking terrible thing that people go through. Like, I've I've never been through it myself, and I hope to never have to be because it seems awful. I mean, we saw train spotting. We know how the room stretches out, and, and you start hearing uh, 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 um, Iggy Pop songs. You know how it is. I mean, that part doesn't sound too bad. Well, it does if you hear it all the time. She's got legs. That's ZZ Top, not Iggy Pop. Uh, my name is Iggy Pop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and that's the thing. that The mother's like, if I give him this shot, at least he'll be good for whatever, you know? Yeah. And she doesn't want to encourage him, but she knows he's going to do it anyways, and she has the motherly instinct of, like, oh, I'd rather make sure he's safe. Yeah, I mean, part of me is like, I, I kind of agree with that. Like, I guess... It's sort of like the idea behind like a needle exchange mm. where it's like, we're, we, we're not here to convince you to do heroin, yeah. but if you do, can you at least come and get a clean needle? Now, I wonder. My, now, well, I, I guess I have some sympathy for it because my mom has bought me cigarettes in the past, but in, in the sense of this movie, that would mean that it, that would be like, well, if the mom was doing heroin and then got Billy some heroin too. Yeah. <laughs> well, my other thing here is just like, um, yes, she's doing that because she knows he's going to try to get it anyway like mm. the drugs but like she could also just drive him to like a clinic yeah or i suppose the police station I yeah don't they do anything but well I but mean, also that's the thing too brendan like with a drug addict and it's it's cliche but a drug addict has to want to get clean you can't force somebody to get clean uh that they have to want to do it and if she was to take him and drop him off at a clinic he's clearly not ready to get clean so it, nothing would happen unfortunately I mean, did Robert Downey Jr. want to get clean? 
I mean, I think so because he did eventually, didn't he? I just, I think he's a, I think he's a quitter. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't tolerate quitters. No. Just think if he'd have never done less than zero, how uh, the world would have been deprived of such a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm willing to uh, let his uh, years of drug addiction <laughs> let live on yeah. just so we got that movie. So we got less than zero, baby. Woohoo! A classic. <laughs> uh, is that really what caused it? I mean, that's the story I've heard is that part of his like character research for Less Than Zero because it's a movie about cocaine addicts was that he tried cocaine. So I don't know if that's true or maybe he had he was doing cocaine. And he thought, "Ooh, this is a movie about cocaine. Those two things, uh, my interests intersect. So maybe I should try to really get this role. <laughs> that's how he that's how he ended up getting Iron Man. right? Yeah. He's like, is there cocaine? And there like, is. And they're like, no, this is a professional set. It's 2007, Mr. Downey. <laughs> they're like, wait, in your trailer or just around? <laughs> <laughs> it's just everywhere. It's hidden in the walls of the studios. Yeah, it's hidden in the Iron Man suit. If you uh, go to the if you go to the uh, SNL studio in uh, New which, York, which I've been, which so you've been, this better be accurate. Yeah, no, I don't know if you noticed, but the risers that yeah. you uh, all sit on when you watch the show, yeah. totally made of cocaine. Well, um, I think they may have put some varnish on them, so yeah. it's not. Smart. That's just to protect. That's to protect it. You'd have to yeah. break it open. Yeah. Well, they do leave little packages underneath. Yeah. And, and, it's and complimentary. What happens is when a certain sketch starts up, it'll say, it'll light up like the applause sign. It'll say, Coke sketch or weed sketch yeah. or, or, uh, or mushroom sketch. And you pick the right drug under your seat yeah, to take. Absolutely. And they will have a sign that'll pop up when it says rail. Everybody does a rail. But that's at a moment in the sketch where uh, you're supposed to hear a gasp. So uh, instead, so it sounds like a gasp when everybody's doing a rail. Jason, I, um, one thing that really stands out for me in this movie is that Gary Oldman doesn't really strive to make these people likable. No. Most of them. I think somebody like Val's probably the most likable. That mainly is because she has, like, the hardest fall. Billy kind of, too. And Billy, too, yeah, because Billy's, yeah, Billy seems like a, a nice guy who is clearly has a demon. Actually, you know that I think about it. Ray is really the only awful one. Like, the completely, irre- almost completely irredeemable. Yeah. Because... His friend Mark is not even that bad. Like he's not he's not great, but he does hold him back. Mark's worst thing is that he's an enabler. Yes. That he enables yes. Ray to keep being Ray. Mhm. Uh, but yes, he does also hold him back at times. He's sort of his keeper in that way. There is a scene in this movie where Ray is having a fucking meltdown, mm. and I swear to god if they did not have Mark's character in that scene, he probably would have murdered someone. I wonder if that was a um well, where he's in the apartment, and he's like breaking everything up, and I wonder if that was a callback to Apocalypse Now because we do have that scene where that uh, drug addict friend of Billy's, Danny, I think his name is, is doing that Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he's he's like he's like doing karaoke to uh, uh, Dennis Hopper's speech from <laughs> Apocalypse Now. If only they had the words on the yeah, screen. Yeah, if only. No, but this guy's seen this movie a million times. But I don't know if you noticed this too. On his stomach, he has Colonel Kurtz's face tattooed. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, at all. it has to be. I don't know who else. What other bald motherfucker he would have tattooed on his stomach? having uh doing this fucking apocalypse vader. now shit. it was vader well if it was vader it was vader without his face mask on which would be a strange uh, tattoo to get it's I would say. now it's now it's apocalypse now 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 somebody gave leon some acid <laughs> um but yeah no i like he doesn't gary does gary Ullman doesn't <laughs> gary Gary is a is a guy. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't uh, stretch to really make you care or may or make them sympathetic. I guess doesn't know they're they're inherently sympathetic or unsympathetic based on their actions and whatever. This I feel like this is a very hands off movie in a lot of ways. 
in that it's a real actor's movie. It's a real actor's movie. He lets the performances do all the work. And because the camera work is relatively minimal, there's like zooms and, and tracking shots, but like not a lot of cuts. You'll see long wow. scenes play out uh, with very... Uh, okay, so I got to say, the music in this movie is a, a bit of a sticking point for me. On one hand, I think it's good. I like the idea of the jazzy kind of approach to it, and it gives scenes a real like... I don't know, dreamlike quality sometimes or an etherealness to him. But also, it sounds like he hired his friend to make movie music for his movie. And that's what it comes across. And, that, and nothing against Eric Clapton's musical ability. He is one of the greatest guitarists of all time. There's no question. But I don't know. There's just something off about it that doesn't feel totally right. Wait, did Eric Clapton do the music for yeah. this movie? Oh, yeah, I did yeah. not know that. No, no, yeah. Because he's buddies with that him and Gary Oldman are buddies. So, Yep, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah well... And uh, I don't know, Luc Besson was probably standing nearby smoking a cigarette, being like, good job, Gary, good job. How many scenes can we get with 14-year-old girls being sexy? Uh -huh. Do you need some more Franks, Gary? I can call Natalie Portman right now. <laughs> Mr. Besson, I mean, I guess she's a little bit older now. It's not as creepy as in Leon, but she's still pretty young. No, this was 1997. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and... and I, what I do like, though, is that there's no easy way out for anyone's behavior, but we do get a nice little moment. It's very quick, but the scene just before he goes off and actually, like, assaults her, mm. there's a mo there's a kind of quick moment between him and Val in the bar where they have a little, like, exchange, that a little a brief, pleasant exchange, and they have, like, a little kiss or whatever. Yeah. And that's, like, right before, you know, he starts to go off. But yeah. that was, like, a thing where it was, like, Okay, so that was enough of a moment for us to be like, there was something that got this started. Like, yeah, no, they, they clearly, there are reasons they like each other. Because I feel like so many movies make this mistake yeah. in that they just go right to the like, oh, the husband is a monster, yeah. which, fair point. Sure. But what got that, like, he obviously, they didn't meet and he punched her in the face and she yeah. was like, let's date. Yeah. Like, you know well, what I, mean? I mean, we do see from like when he's, not completely fucking out of it. Like, Ray is a charismatic guy. Like, he seems like a fun party guy. Obviously, there's reason that people like hanging out with him. He's got a sense of humor, or at least seems like he has a sense of humor. Like, I can see how you could fall into that trap. And that is the case with so many abusers, where they do have that charisma and can pull you in. Yeah. And he's uh, he's one of those guys, all right. And, and do you think, like... Um uh, my question is, okay, because this scene in the movie where he beats her is brutal. Like, I think it's, we've seen a few movies where stuff like this happens. I think this might be the worst. This is the worst one because he I, yeah. fucking causes her to have a miscarriage. He causes her to have a miscarriage. He like, her face is fucked up. She's got, her fingers are pretty much broken. Like she And then to make it all worse, their young daughter is sitting on the stairs while dad is doing this. And he know? says, go back upstairs. It's fine. Yeah. Do you think that something like this has happened in the past. Maybe not to this level, but it feels like this is not the first time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, because you would think that... I, I think that she would maybe be a different character if she was already been through that. Like, I didn't get that sense right off the gate. Well, because I remember her saying something about, like, you knock me about. And it when she said it, it sounded like it wasn't the, it wasn't an isolated that, incident. That's actually a really good point. The Yeah, the implication of knock me about is that it's, yeah, it's a common occurrence rather than a one-time thing or maybe it's like more of like a push and shove kind of thing or yeah. like you know not hit but like you know what i mean slap like, or like, grab and shake around or throw around yeah and then whatever. that was like the event because yeah. that they she doesn't exactly uh like they don't go back together after that like that's that's the that's a tipping point well we'll we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to yeah. it but 
But, I mean, that's a point where they're apart for a long time yeah. in the movie. Yeah. So there's that relationship. That's a mm. little flawed. <laughs> um, there, there's also a relationship between Ray and Billy. Who's, yeah. It's almost like you think it's going to be like a mentor thing yeah. um, until it goes downhill. Shall we listen to how it goes downhill, Jason? Well, yeah, that's the thing. And, and yes, it, it is a sort of relationship. It's good till it's not. And when it's not, it, and clearly that's the case with his relationship, I think, with just about everybody. Ray is, is good till he's not. Some uh, wild and wacky stuff there. Yeah, no, I didn't. I forgot that he had uh, threatened to kill her entire family so early in the movie because that uh, <laughs> happens quite a bit later on. And then burn them alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man. So he goes from zero to a hundred very quickly. Yeah, and as a person who drinks a lot of alcohol and does a lot of cocaine, it's uh, yeah, that's to be expected, especially right. when he doesn't have his, as he says, gear in yeah. the morning. And then Billy has like an interesting trajectory for the rest of the movie because you'd think this would be a movie where. Ray, I, I mean, I thought anyway that Ray would ultimately find him, uh, possibly kill him, hmm. because I think he was close to murdering him in yeah. that in that room uh, when he thought he stole his gear, and, and then like, uh, or or having someone else catch up to Billy, or him having an OD. Yeah, I thought that was those are all possible things, but ultimately, what Billy just ends up in jail. Yes, and then they, ends up they in, rob like, the uh, wrong guy and end up in jail, and then he ends up in the hospital. Uh, a uh, hospital ward because he uh, somebody tries to stab him or something or yeah whatever and they said they put him in protect because they're laughing at the end of the movie saying they put him in protective <sighs> custody with all the rapists well they yeah they were laughing at, at the prospect of him getting raped in prison like they were all just having a great little laugh about that uh, what a what a bunch of great people <laughs> that wasn't even the craziest part of the ending for me but we'll get to it yeah but yeah and the Billy has a couple interesting friends. Yeah, he's well. He's got Danny. He was the uh, guy that um, he looked really familiar to me, I, and, I, and I looked the yes. actor up. I feel like I've seen him in stuff, and I couldn't pick out specifically. But he also was a casting director, which is interesting. So he's, he's that's where he, that that's where you've seen him. Yeah, from all the movies he's cast. But um, no, he's good, and he is. Um, he's got tats all over his face and his body. And, and they, he has he has a little puppy. He has yeah. Eventually, has a little puppy that he finds. They hang out at a laundromat for some reason. I don't know. Did they sell drugs or do they get drugs? 
they were they were just buying drugs, I think, because they were they were like, oh, the drugs are coming, the drugs are coming. That scene at the beginning of the movie where they are like hanging out by the phone booth and they're trying to get a hold of their dealer. Now, I've never done hard drugs, but I have definitely been in that situation with weed. <laughs> now, I mean, I'm gonna be real here. I wasn't I wasn't gonna die if I didn't have that weed. But I know the anxiety of like, come on, man, come on, I want to smoke some fucking weed. Like, let's get this done, you know? Yeah, I I, I mean, we've all had a cab driver we used to rely on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But and, and Billy's friends are not uh, prone to outrage either when, when this guy bumps up against him and he's got that little dog in his arms. But you know what? That's justified. Don't yeah, no, don't fuck with the dog. That guy was a, was a dick anyways in the sense that he asked him for a cigarette and he's like, no, I got a spliff. I don't want a fucking spliff. I want a fag, he says. I said, well, I don't got a fag. Oh, a spliff. And it's like, well, at that point, just take the spliff. It's got tobacco in it. If you need a nicotine hit, you'll get it. Also... What kind of a world is it where you can walk up to someone and be like, hey, can I have a drink of your beer just randomly off the street? And the person's like, yeah, sure, man. Go have a pull. Pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID days, man. Wow, what a different time. That was a, that was a long time ago. Long time. I would, I would certainly take a joint from someone, but I wouldn't share some random person's beer. And Now, maybe that's a, a negligible difference and I'm the fucked up one. But. but maybe that dude was just like, if I say no to this guy, I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, uh, maybe that's maybe the face tats but help. Billy also, <laughs> Billy and his friends also. Other than that scene, which I feel like is somewhat justified, they don't seem like the violent outrage, violent outburst people that Ray is. No. And I think it's interesting that Billy is painted as like the addict. Yeah. When Ray's addiction is far worse. Yeah, it, the, the, I think the main difference is that Ray is somehow able to pay for his addiction. Yeah. Whereas Billy is not. Billy is exactly like Billy is like on the streets essentially most yeah. of the time. Whereas Ray has like his, you know, his life. Like, I feel like his addiction, I mean, I feel like he can, as weird as this is to say, maybe he can manage his cocaine addiction. Like, I don't feel like it's like a full on, he's not like binging it all the time, but. Well, it's probably getting worse, but also again, it's the money aspect of it. You know, Billy, if Billy hadn't had enough money to always have enough heroin to keep him from going into dope sickness, he could probably live a functional life. He just doesn't have that money. So it is that cycle of, you know, just begging and stealing and doing whatever you can to get enough money to buy your fix. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at some point, Billy even goes to his mother at work yeah. and asks for money. And I, I want to li- take a listen to that one. That little scene. Let's hear it. What are you doing here? Have you got any money? I'm not be silly. I gave you money this morning. What you done with it? Well, you know, Shane come up, you know what I mean? Not the fucking way off a mate of mine. What mate? A mate, Mum. You know, I owed him a bit of dough. Well, I haven't got any money. Oh, Mum, don't fuck about it. Don't raise your voice at me and show me you can fucking work. Got the pox of it. How much do you want? A score. I haven't got a score. I don't go to fucking work so that you can spend it on your fucking mates. What have you done with the money I gave you? I've done that, haven't I? What? I'm fucking dear. Don't fuck me about it. Do you know how much money you've had out of me over the last year? It adds up to fucking that's dope sickness yeah and Billy has a fucked up backstory. Everyone in this movie has a fucked up backstory. Yeah. So his backstory of Billy is that his uh, father found out that his 
uh, grandfather, Billy's grandfather, his father and his father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His father found out that his father was having an affair. So he go, he went to that girl's house and murdered her. And then considered murdering his father as well, but then went to jail. Are you sure this is not Ray? I'm pretty sure this is the story that Ray tells to uh, the other to his buddy when he's drunk after the that after Ray he, killed someone. No, that that Ray's father killed someone. I thought it was Billy's father. I'm pretty sure it was Ray's father. Okay, let's do it. I agree. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> you can pull the movie up and check. I mean, listen, I'm gonna bring up the internet. You talk about uh, you talk about this this horrifying reveal. Well, that, that 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 was you know the, basically that he went through and told this story to his buddy and you know explain it kind of it gives an explanation for why he is the way he is because uh, his father was shitty and so he's shitty you know how it is the typical story um, it's it does ring a bit hollow because there are plenty of people that have gone through absolutely fucking terrible childhoods that have turned into nice people that have had good kids and and been you know contributing members of society just because your parents are shitty doesn't mean you will end up shitty it just gives you a disadvantage at the start unfortunately yeah i don't know i can't find it well, i, I, I cuz billy I tells it billy does father. tell a story but it's about the dog when he's when he's at the, when he's at the laundromat and he's talking about how his dad was a cruel asshole and that uh, he went away on a trip when he was like nine or ten years old. And when he came home, the dog was dead. And then it was like the one thing he wanted. He was so excited about seeing that dog because he loved the dog. But when he got home, his old man had killed the dog because it was a problem or the, dog, the old guy didn't want to deal with it. But I think he all, I think he also said that that's why he, that's why Billy's dad was in prison. I'm pretty sure that's Ray, man. No, because Ray's dad dies. Ray talks about his dad. He dying. does talk about him dying, but he also talks about how he fucking killed. Uh, uh Folks, tell us who's right, because we're not rewatching it on this podcast. <laughs> I I swear it's Billy that tells that story. But either way, it's it's a because the reason and the reason I the other reason I put it together that it was Billy is because that scene we talked about earlier, that very brief moment when they're all out in Vegas, apparently. Hmm. Well, which, I mean, I think it's like an area there that has like gambling and probably okay, las vegas signs. i swear i thought it was vegas and yeah, then i no. was like why are they still driving on the other side of the road <laughs> i think yeah i think they were just implying that it was like a vegas yeah. vibe but but when when ray runs out of the car and sucker punches that guy and then yeah. runs back billy is visibly uncomfortable yeah and, and i got the vibe when he told that story later that's why i'm like i'm pretty sure it's his dad that he talks about see i would argue with you that scene though i think the issue is that billy's getting dope sick he's starting to get go into withdrawal that's why he's so anxious I don't uh, think he's anxious. I think he just looks. I think he just looks upset. I say he looks like, anxious to me. It looks like he's like starting to vibrate. And I, at first, I thought, oh, it's because this night's getting too real. You know, now that they're like they're all hammered up and they're driving around, and he goes and he punches a guy. Like shit's going bad. But then it's like the next scene is him going to get heroin. But I also think I also thought that maybe he reacted like that because I mean his sister Val is with this guy and he's witnessing this guy just get randomly violent. Yeah. And I, I also thought that maybe he was just like, oh. Is he capable of something like this? What about my sister who's yeah. married to him? I, but I also get the sense, really, that that Billy knows. Like that they, they, I mean, Ray's clearly been with Kathy Burke's character Val a long time. That was such a good save, Thank Jason. You. Uh, because they have a daughter. You know, they have a daughter that is, and he has a son with another. He, woman. He does have some of them. I don't think we ever really see him, do we? No, no. Um, but they've been together a while, so I think Billy would know what was going on. Billy's not stupid. He may be a junkie, but he's not stupid. Or blind. 
No, he's not blind either. They didn't go with that that character choice. This <laughs> is really, really bogged down this guy. He's a junkie. He's blind. He's got AIDS. Uh, well, Jason, I said that this movie didn't go to the Oscars. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like getting into the, the, I mean, a good portion of this movie is when Ray abuses Val and the the aftermath. Yeah. And this is handled in a way that I don't think cuz this movie if you if you added mob ele- elements to this movie, you wouldn't have to change much to make it like Goodfellas or something. No. Like it has that kind of tough guys talking about talking, you know, being misogynistic, being racist, being sexist. I mean, and, maybe maybe Ray is a mobster, but it never figures into the story that we're seeing. Maybe that's how he gets his money to continue to go, you know, gamble and drink and fucking do cocaine. But I would, but I think it's interesting because like in something like Goodfellas, we have scenes where Ray Liotta, like Henry Hill, mm. hits his wife, yeah. beats his wife, but it's not like a thing that's even really lingered on. Like it's just kind of like, yeah, that also happened in this movie though. Like it's focused on, like, well, because it doesn't happen. Real... It doesn't happen until he, you know, goes full hog and beats the fuck out of her. Well, that's what I mean though. Like it felt like it felt like something akin to Goodfellas. And there's nothing. nothing I'm not saying anything negative against Goodfellas. Mm different focus altogether but it felt like something akin to that until the moment where he hits her and then suddenly all the energy is like placed yeah. on that like all the focus is on that yeah well and because he's getting all his energy out in that moment just completely losing it yeah um and i think it's interesting that they 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 show like a lot of uh, more val mm. and her side of things after that you don't see a whole lot of ray whenever you see him he's kind of in val's world yeah you know what i mean he's kind of invading her space well, that's the thing everything that's the thing everything he's dealing with that we see him dealing with is in relation to her and uh, she and we see her just trying to get through that whole situation and trying to deal with the emotions of it because she clearly loves the guy but also doesn't want to be around a guy who's going to do that to her and doesn't want her daughter to be around that and, and we have this great scene so ray is like ray actually calls her at some point but he hangs up yeah and then he pulls the phone cord out of the wall and then sits there having a conversation as if he's talking to val and i think it's really interesting to listen to this because you can tell he doesn't really even it's seemingly understand the gravity of what he did this this is what reminds me of like that opening scene of apocalypse now to some extent where he's just going through this like like fastly edited like nonsense it also kind of reminds me, just because the st- the way he gets drunk, it reminds me of that scene in um, Help Me Out. My name is Joe. Yes, yes, where, where he Joe, gets yeah, realistically drunk and dangerous. Where he has his Clint Eastwood drinking uh, moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, let's take a listen. This is just, and again, no one's on the other line of the phone. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Oh, Mug, oh, I can't. Oh, you know what I'm like. I love you. I love you. I love you forever. Forever. I know. I know. I'm a mug. I'm a cunt. I've always been a cunt. You know, I've been a cunt. <laughs> hold it. Hold up. You know how long you've been fucking with me, right? I ain't drinking. No, I ain't on it. I ain't on it. I ain't. No, I'm not on it. Babe, I promise you I'm not on it. I've, I'm not on it. I swear my life I'm not on it, right? Oh, no, just listen to me, what? Right? Will you just listen to me? I had a little boy, I loved a bitch. It's my boy. But I was with you. You fucked me off before. No, no. You fucked me off before. I come at you because I love you, bitch, right? And you push me. 
You fucking, no, you fucking pushed me. You took liberty with me. And you shouldn't push me. You know how far to go with me. How far to go with me. If you've been mad at me and you've been with me that fucking long, right, you should know. Am I wrong? Am I? Am I fucking wrong? And they've been wrong in my life, babe. I stand up here and I'll fight. I'll fight them. I'll fight them forever. I go ping, ping, ping. Bring your fucking mug. That scene is that's that scene is first of all top rate acting. Oh yeah, in that scene that he makes that realistic, which seems like an impossible task. I bet you Ray Winstone slept well that night. Oh my god, I I don't know if you I think he was a changed man after that scene. <laughs> but like he goes from like, did you notice though? He starts off very apologetic. Yeah. He goes to justifying it, and yeah. then he said he starts blaming her yeah. at the end of it. He's like, yeah. you know, you know me though. You know you can't push me oh. that far. You knew what was gonna happen. Classic abuser narrative like oh yeah no you should know how far to push me because if you don't then it's your fault when i get mad and he's saying it to no one yeah, to no one he's that he's drunk. justifying it to himself yeah it's messed up and then in that in that montage i think is really it's because it's kind of a montage you mm. see him like there's scenes where he just stand there not talking and you hear voiceover of him talking but like there's an interesting scene there where he looks in the mirror and he's like getting ready to fight himself yeah, it's almost like he. Rec- it's almost like he does recognize that there's part of him that he wishes wasn't there. Yeah, you know, he's like, "Come on, I'll take you, I'll take you," and he's looking right at himself in the mirror. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, great guy, give him a second chance. <laughs> no. But she kind of does. That's my question. Hmm. Okay, so. I don't know how I felt about this uh, this conclusion. So let's just point out first. So we have a great scene where Val uh, confronts uh, Ray. Ray shows up to her house and he's outside and she comes outside and is able to say what she wants to say, which is a fucking amazing scene and all the love in the world to Kathy Burke for that performance. But she lays it out like, I don't want to be with someone who does this to me. And maybe I'll just have to go find someone who will love me and not be cruel and will be nice and kind and treat me well. And I know we just listened to a clip, Jason, but we should hear some of that. We should hear some of that, for sure. Coming home. We ain't got a fucking home to go back to, Ray. Everything in that place is fucking smashed. Jesus, I mean, I feel like you really must hate me. Don't hate you. Well, I don't feel loved. I mean, that ain't love. I mean, can't you see what the mess we're in? You're not, you're not notice what we're like. I mean, we, we don't talk anymore. I mean, if you go out, just get in, Mum, will ya? Just get in, I'm dealing with it. I mean, when you go out, you go out with your mates. And then when you are indoors, you're pissed out of your brains asleep in front of the fucking television. I'll turn the television off, go up to bed. You follow me up at three o'clock in the morning, stinking of booze. That's what I get. Even that, or you're knocking me about. Well, I'm 30 today, you know, and I feel so fucking old. You know, I'm so tired. You know, and I want to be able to look back and say, yeah, I had a bit of fun, you know, when I'm old, instead of saying everyone fucking felt sorry for me. When that's the life I've got. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
I just don't want it. I'll, I'll find somebody else. You know, someone who can love me. Someone kind. So she does that speech, and I think, but I think, like, deep down for Val, she wants him to be him, but obviously not abusive. Like, yeah. she'd rather just stay with him. Yeah, well, no, clearly, because there is something about him that she loves, and she doesn't want to, but if he's going to treat her like that, she's like, I can't. That's not what I want. But Jason, you mentioned there the ending. So, so the last scene we see is them all in the kitchen together. Making fun of Billy that, he might, get of Billy that he might get raped. Um, everybody's in the kitchen and it's one of those like family moments, you know, where everybody's hanging out and they're all getting ready to go see Billy in prison. Uh, so, you know, they're just kind of killing time before they go and raise there. And he seems to be well, at least not openly drinking. <laughs> maybe that he's making an effort, at least it seems like it, to maybe be a little less of a shithead. Um, because he's there with Val and Val's telling him some story about somebody and Rebecca's about Billy and yeah. So I was like conflicted watching this. I was like, is Oldman really trying to be like, they just made up or is it a thing where they're like, okay, this happened because this happens. Yeah. Pete, you know, people beat the ever loving shit out of each other and stay together. For sure. Absolutely. Thinking that there will be a change. So yeah. is it that or is it Oldman saying, no, no, this couple is thinking that they're going to change and ultimately he's just going to repeat the cycle. Well, I think it's I think it, it, I think it's ambiguous, as you say, because yeah. ultimately the reason is that little girl. The, the, no matter what happens, if there's a family, well, he is the father and she is the mother, so they're going to have some interaction regardless. So it is an open question at that point because it's not. I mean, I, I don't. They're not like canoodling or anything. No, or, that's what I mean. They do it in a way where you're like, well, I don't know if they got back together. Yeah, they're both there. Yeah, they're certainly there. Certainly, everyone's there. He certainly seems more composed. Yeah, I think. I think the implication is at least that they will have interaction with each other regardless of what happens. And yeah, mm, who knows how that works out? I mean, that could be bad. I mean, we don't know how the story ends do we <laughs> we don't and it's interesting just knowing gary oldman's own hit own personal history with this kind of subject because i know i now I, i'm not going to say that i i he's ever beaten his wife no i'm not saying that i don't know if he has <laughs> or not but he does have a history of marital issues yeah. he, he has been married several times he, they they he has um you know, I think there was an incident where both parties kind of agreed not to press charges, but mm -hmm. there was perhaps some violence. And I know Gary Oldman at the end of this movie says, in memory of my father. Yeah, I wonder what kind of message that was. I think that, well, no, I think there's some there's some autobiographical stuff here. True, but also he is at points, I believe in, I read that in a Playboy interview in 2014, he's like, ah, the media, they're making a big deal of it, that it was based on my life. It's not. About nil by mouth? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe he got tired of hearing that. Maybe it wasn't, and he finally had to set everybody straight. I don't know. I, I had heard that it was somewhat autobiographical. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's what the line has been for a lot of years, but apparently he was fed up with that, so he said that in Playboy. But that's that's what I wonder. That that also makes me wonder, like, if this is the kind of, uh, if Ray is based in any part on his father, mm. um, I wonder, like... Well, I'd feel bad for the guy. <laughs> well, I feel bad for the guy, of course, but I wonder if like the the reconciliation was something that he truly believed happened in his life. He yeah. truly believed his father and mother made up and maybe that's why he put it in the movie or if like we said this is his way of being like maybe the cycle will repeat, maybe everything will be good for like a year. Yeah. Who knows? It's ambiguous. It could go it either is. way. It is. It's a hard thing to break out of for sure. Yeah, and 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 or maybe, you know, maybe, and I'll play this last clip here, Jason, maybe he feels like uh, maybe Ray's father is based more on Gary Oldman's father because Ray 
tells a brief story to Mark about his father, right? Because he's sitting there, you know, um, talking about how his father was a piece of shit. And this is just a little brief snippet of that. And maybe this is who uh, Olman pulled inspiration for, from, mm. which might be even worse. Anyway, let's take a listen. <laughs> Lifting up a 10 years, slippery old cunt. He died one afternoon in that fucking armchair. About right. I went round to see him, you know, when he was plotted up, having mothers. Hatcham up Road? Yeah, Hatcham Road, right? He was upstairs, you know, in that um, yeah. front bedroom, you know, laid out of three. Yeah, yeah. I've gone up there, gone in. Sitting on the bed looking at him, right? He's laid out like that. Mullard. Yeah, he was like he shrunk, you know. He was a big man. You know? He was a lump. Yeah, you fucking shouldn't know. I've got enough clumps off the cup. And I, I just, I touched him, you know. He was fucking freezing cold, front of life out of me. You know? I, was, I was looking at him, you know. And I, for the first time in my life, I talked to him. Said, why don't you ever love me? And the cunt just stared back at me. That's right. That's not what he says, no. but yeah. Um, j- by the way, Jason and I figured it out during the break. We had uh, misunderstood each other, or I had misunderstood him. Uh, Ray's father was the one who did the killing of the of his uh, father's mistress. Yes, my bad. But yeah, that's uh, that that's a scene. That's a da- that's a uh, that's a dangerous scene to do because it's almost like okay, we don't want to give him like something to justify his actions, no. but we certainly want to make him not like this person who just shows up and he's like, "I'm a monster. Yeah, no, I beat exactly. my wife." He he's not a cartoon villain, you know. He's not just evil for the sake of being evil. There's reasons for why he is the way he is, um, and that is a common thing. Like I've said before, you know, sometimes shitty parents breed shitty children, it's but not always. It's sometimes a cycle. Yeah, sometimes absolutely. Yeah, but Jason, any other big points you want to hit before we talk about your bits and your bobs? I think we'll find them in bits and bobs if they're there, Brendan. All right, well, aside from, by the way, they mentioned the title. I was very excited about that. They mentioned nil by mouth in the movie. Oh, yeah, he he said it, and I cheered. I cheered, too, and then I high-fived you as if you were beside me. Yeah, me, too. It was like it was an air high-five. At the same time? No, no, because I don't think we watched the movie at the same time. But at the same point in the movie, we did it. Okay. Across time and space. Wait, we had sex? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, Jason, we are going to take a brief break. We are going to hear from some of our sponsors and we will be right back. Age of radio. Zero by mouth, nil by mouth. Cause nil means zero and zero means nil. So don't forget to read your bits and bobs, Jason and Brendan. I'll show you nail ball mouth, hi. Open up, hi. Excuse me? Hi, yeah, uh, you know you're the boy. You know you're not that, do you, you bad? Jerry. So, first observation off the bat, uh, Gary Oldman is a prick because he puts the credits in alphabetical order. That's something a prick would do. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yes, Eric Clapton, of course, scoring the movie with his weird blues, and he's a buddy of Eric Gary Oldman, so it's like when we asked Dave Edel to do our movie, but Dave's music worked far better 
Yeah, Dave's also not an anti-vaxxer. Uh, not that believe. I'm aware of. Yeah. I, I, Dave, I don't want to impugn you, uh, but uh, I, I don't believe that to be Dave true. Dave Edel, let us, know you're, let us know if you're vaxxed, uh, Fun fact, a uh, fact that is fun. Yeah. Uh, Luke Besson stepped up to help out Gary Oldman, and that's apparently part of the reason that Gary Oldman did The Fifth Element, was to help get financing for this movie. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, it worked out because it's great in that movie. Oh, I mean, Fifth Element's a great movie. I haven't seen Fifth Element in years, but it's a fun, also, weird movie. <laughs> what a what an unfortunate triumvirate in this movie. Gary Oldman, Eric Clapton, and Luke Besson. Yeah. Oof. Oof. What, what, oh, don't, yeah. don't bring up any sensitive topics in that room. No, sir. Although, we will say, professional, fantastic movie. <laughs> um. Uh, I like that there's a, a shitty stand-up comedian. Oh, my God. That You mean the guy with the if ponytail? You con- or- if you play a country album backwards, you get your wife, you get your house. <laughs> I've heard that joke elsewhere. Yeah. I don't know I don't know if that's like an old street joke or if that is a specific comedian, but I know I've heard other people do that joke. That guy has the worst ponytail. He has like this long blonde ponytail. It's like he's trying to be George Carlin uh, at a certain point in George Carlin's life, but is not old enough or nearly funny enough. And yeah. also, George's ponytail was not that long. George wasn't dumb. Yeah, he's a super hack comedian. In yeah, this movie. absolutely. Um, he's. I will say that the the comedian from last week's movie far better. Yes, for sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's all happening. It's all, it's all happening. happening. Yep. I'm even doing the arm gesture. You folks can't see it, but it's I'm doing for me. It. It's for Brendan. Um, Mark I, very I, casually mentions he used to have depression. He still does, but he used to too. Yeah, well, he says like, "Oh yeah, and he used to have depression back then." It's like, yeah. uh, you don't just get rid of that in two years." <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I love the the classic smoky pub hall now, and I, I I'm sure I've said variants of this before, but while I wouldn't want it to be back to the way it used to be, there is something nostalgic about going into like a bar and everybody smoking. Yeah, and you have that lovely haze in the air that everybody is inhaling and taking years off their life. It reminds me of entering places like that and walking outside. Yeah. And then just, it's, whoa. whoa wow. And then, the, like going in, seeing that it's that and being like, ah, nah. <laughs> ah, smoking or non-smoking. Remember those days? Yeah. Non-smoking was so safe. Oh, yeah. It was great because it's like the restaurant was smoking except for four tables in the corner that were non-smoking. Listen, <laughs> the only place you could do that and it was totally okay was Tim Hortons because they actually had a closed off area. Yes. When they had the, yes. When they had the separate area for the smokers. Oh, man. Those are good days. Ugh. But they're better now. Uh, Ride the camels. That seems like a racist uh, Ve- British Vegas game. I mean, sure. I've I've played something similar, but with horses at the yeah. uh, exhibition around here, or certainly sure. the Truro exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, but a severe portion, that's a term I've got to use for when people get fucked. Oh, that lady got a severe portion. <laughs> there's a scene, and it's not the scene with Billy and his mother, but there's a scene of Billy doing heroin. Yeah. And it's a very slow scene. Where you see all the little meticulous things that he does to yeah. do the heroin, and I said this is like the anti-train spotting scene. This is like the reverse of like in train spotting where you see it go, yeah, or yeah, like fast for a dream, yeah. yeah, like that whole thing, um, where it's like it's like it lingers on this shot, and you see him, and you see the 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 despair in his eyes. Well, and this reinforces the thing, like when it comes to drugs, and whether those are legal or illegal, often, especially if they're done recreationally, there's a ritual to it. Like I smoke yeah. a lot of weed, right? There's a certain ritual to if I'm doing blades and I roll the blades up and I put the knives on and I get them hot, or if I'm rolling a joint, or if I'm doing bowls. Like there's just a certain ritual to it. And for heroin addicts, absolutely, because there are different steps you need to take to be ready to shoot heroin. You gotta pull it out. You gotta like mix it with water. You gotta heat it up. You gotta do all these different things and put it in the needle and make sure the needle is good and there's no air bubbles and then inject it and you gotta tie yourself up like it's a whole like it's a whole process and 
it's just part of it. And and yeah, watching that happen, like seeing every step happen, that's really cool. You know, I mean, it's not cool, but it's it's good on screen. It's good. It's good movie time. You know. Oh uh, yeah, I, I specifically wrote down here. Gary Oldman fancies himself something of a Robert Altman. I I, I noted that the depressing color design. Like they were always like the weather is always overcast. There, yeah. There's like pukey green yeah. hallways. There's the the music is very like jazzy yeah. and yeah. like kind of sad. That is England. People people have like well this is this movie's England. Though, no no that's England. England is a depressing place full of terrible people. I don't know if you've learned that from this podcast, Jason, Brendan, but that's what happens. I will, I'm going to ask you to stop. We are ninety. <laughs> we're doing our ninety ninth <laughs> movie on this list, and you. Or just diving in. Oh, I'm going to get canceled. I want to get canceled by the queen. Like, some people have, like, bumps and bruises on their face. The camera work is made to look, quote-unquote, sloppy. Even yeah. though it's not, it's very much... It's deliberate. It's, it's very much deliberate and planned in a certain way, hmm. but it gives that element of, like, we just threw this together. Yeah, it, uh, the, it's it's a little bit Battlestar Galactic-y. It's, um, it gives you the sense that you're sort of spying on a, a given conversation. I just thought about people from the South being like, you watch that Battlestar Galactic-y? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love me that Colonel Ty. He's got a bald head. What about that Kirk? What? Get him! Wrong show. You fucking die. You fucking die. You go to hell. You go to hell, you die. Uh, I love when Janet, the mom, uh, tells says about her mother, give that cunt a dose of poison. <laughs> yeah. Well, though, doesn't she say that to, for her to, to, give, uh, to give that to Ray? Oh, is it Ray she's talking about? I oh, so. I thought it was her mother. That's what made me more funny to me. But <laughs> no, okay, I, I think I think she wants to give Ray a dose of poison. Um, this movie apparently, uh, other than a movie like I think Swearnet and the documentary Fuck, this is like a movie that has one of the highest amounts of swears. Four hundred and twenty-eight uses of the f word. Yeah, and how many cunts? Uh, <laughs> I love that you censor it yourself. Yeah, well, I don't want. Wait, I wait wanna... you mean you mean wait you mean the f word? Uh, Jason, the word cunt is used 82 times. That's it. 82 times. More than mm. any other film in history. Really? Though. Wow. Yeah. I, I figured the Sexy Beast would probably come close to that. Now, you said, you, you mentioned Swearnet, but actually Summer of Sam uh, oh, surpassed this record. That's true. Um, but this movie still remains the highest ranked with regards to the average number of utterances of the word fuck per minute. Wow. Um, uh, running with about 3.34 fucks per minute. Uh, Question, Brendan. And of course, leaving aside all, like you said, Swearnet and also the documentary Fuck. Question, Brendan. Yeah. Have you seen Summer of Sam? No. No, me neither. I know it's a Spike Lee movie. It's about uh, the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. Yeah, but I feel like it's not super about him. Oh, it's about the time around him? I think so. Okay. Yeah. The summer of. Yeah, it was just the summer where Sam was hanging out. Mm -hmm. It was before the murders when he was a cool guy. He's a cool guy. It's like, it's like my friend Dahmer. Old Domsey. Dahmer! Dahmer with the... <laughs> I don't know. Dahmer, 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 Marsha, 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 Graham. They really uh, missed the boat by not making Dumb and Dahmer. Oh, man. Jeff Daniels and... Oh, God, who would play Jeffrey Dahmer? Jared Leto. Well, no, in 1994, though. 12-year-old Jared Leto. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, absolutely. <laughs> Come on, that was, like, that was like Good Son era. Look, they yeah, exactly. They just put some stilts on him, he's fine. Jeff Daniels and Macaulay Culkin reunited finally. <laughs> I would, I'd pay to see that movie. Dumb and Dahmer. Can we make this happen? Let's do it. This is uh, somebody get Blaine Capatch on the phone and let's get Mad TV back on the air. Somebody, somebody <laughs> call, somebody call Peter Fairley. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, 
this is a fun little detail. Okay. I noticed that when um, at some point uh, uh, Val is watching a movie on TV, did you notice that on the TV that movie is in Letterboxd? <laughs> For some reason, I thought of Letterboxd, the app. No, no, no. The uh, But like Letterboxd on a 4.3 TV screen. I was like, these people were ahead of their time watching movies in their original aspect ratios. I had a lot of... Fun and and not not really fun. I had a lot of like frustration in the late '90s and early 2000s, uh, yelling at people about watching their movies incorrectly. Well, see, Jason, um, there was a whole subplot cut from this movie where they were just film snobs. Like I love scope. I would I would film every movie in two five five to one like Ben Hur. Oh, you're gonna buy HD DVD format? That's a format that's destined for doom. Sweetheart. I would buy HD VMD, which will be the format of the future. <laughs> Uh, they go to an arcade, as we said. They play a, a vaguely racist camel game. Yes, a uh, camel racing game. But there's like a, there's like pinball and other arcade games there. I don't think there's like, anything vague about it. Well, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was uh, overtly racist. Well, I mean, it was. It was dudes in like Middle Eastern looking clothing wearing camels. I don't know if that in of itself wearing is camels. No, riding. <laughs> sorry, riding camels. I mean, wearing Middle Eastern style clothing wearing camels. They were wearing Middle Eastern style clothing, Brendan, and they were riding camels. Now, yes, that could be seen as slightly racist, but they weren't like saying uh, phrases or anything. They weren't like, oh, that's uh, the most racist way to portray a Middle yeah, Eastern person. Oh, yeah, I don't I'm not sure if you're doing that or if you're doing like an old Jewish man. <laughs> There's some long lingering tracking shots in this movie that really just really let you drink it in. Yep. Like we watched Ray, I think at one point he's like walking, he's walking with his, uh, you know, Billy and his buddy, and then he takes off across the street, and we follow him, and he like walks up and walks around the block, and then re meets up with him again, and yeah, that was kind of neat. Um, the uh, the the main issue with the uh, with at first with the abuse, um, not is not Val being like, oh my God, get Ray away from me, I'm terrified he's gonna do this again. It's her saying, I don't want anyone knowing about this. Hmm. That that's her first yeah. thing that she says, which is like kind of tells you something about that's the, the, and I the think environment. that's that's the environment absolutely and and that and that's not just Britain that would be here too. There is definitely a streak in certain places in certain communities, maybe older school. The idea of it's worse to that people would know about it than you know dealing with it. What do you think the title means? Well, he says, doesn't he say like it? It was a sign above his dad in the hospital, like that that, nil by mouth. I. I now, I folks, if I got this wrong, please email me and let me know. Uh, I think what it means is that he had like a ventilator in, and so the sign above his bed indicated that he wasn't allowed to take anything by mouth because he was ventilated. So if they were going to feed him, they would have to give him like a drip. Yeah, but he also like he made the illusion. I think all because he said like you know my dad, not one kiss, not one cuddle, mm. not one, all, not even one barely one word i don't know if his dad was physically abusive or he's just not there not even one light blowjob <laughs> wow <laughs> jason this movie is dire i don't know if it's that believable. doesn't need to be that dire i suppose uh so my next note says uh well you know what i love my brother-in-law he's a good dude uh i enjoy hanging out with him don't want to go to a strip club with him don't know why brother-in-law wants to go to a strip club with his brother-in-law but there's some titties Wait, what? Oh, oh, yeah. When Ray they go to the strip Billy. club, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to the strip club with my brother-in-law. No, yeah, yeah. no, Mark, you're a great guy. I don't want to go to a strip club with you. At one point, Billy gets, um, he's in jail 
you said he met, they fuck with the wrong guy, and they, they're forced to basically That's call the cops. That's at the end of the movie, yeah. Yeah, they're basically forced to call the cops, though. Yeah. And, you know, of course yeah, they get arrested, too. They, but they run into the laundromat, and the guy's outside, and there's no back door out, so they're basically stuck in there. Yeah, and they're like, well, we either call the cops or we die. Mm. But um, Billy is so desperate that he... He's, he puts heroin in his ass. Some he, ass heroin. He that's put, the best kind. He shits it out, and he just, like, inhales the fumes off well, of that's, it. Well, that's... that Now, Brendan, that's what you call freebasing. Oh. That is a way to do heroin, that, and the reason that he would do it that way is because he doesn't have his gear. Well, that's what I mean. That felt like desperation. Yeah, yeah, that that was a way... I mean, because that's the thing, is that if you're an intravenous heroin user, um, that's not going to quite do it, but that's going to help with the dope sickness. Like uh, now, obviously, if you're not an intravenous heroin user, that's a way you could do heroin. You can, you can smoke it like that. You can like snort it. If you're like Charlie on Lost, yeah, you're writing this down. Yeah, yeah. So wait, how do how do I freebase again? Uh, you just you get the piece of foil and yep. you put the heroin on it. Uh -huh. and you roll up a little like thing. You get uh, like a pen or whatever. How, how much flour do I need for this? Uh, no flour. Just keep that on the sugar? side for afterwards. Nope. Two no sugar. Nope. <laughs> Two sugars for my Coke Zero, please. <laughs> Two sugars. For what my, if now? What my, if George Lucas made a movie about two heroin? Two sugars for my free base heroin, please. What if George Lucas made a movie about heroin addicts? It was like like American uh, uh, graffiti crossed with um, uh, uh, the Darren Aronofsky movie. They would probably they would probably spend the first forty five minutes talking about trade plans. Trade Federation plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of like economic discussion. Yeah. yeah, the heroin would barely factor in. Well, that was the that's the commodity that's being traded, and it's right. only at the end that we see a, a junkie and we hear "Lust for Life" by Iggy Pop. Right, but in 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 to the Star Wars theme. You know, I uh, when when I have my Coke Zero with two sugars, I think to myself, I've got a lust for life. Do 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 do. Yeah. You know, there's a, a podcast called the George Lucas Talk Show with a fake George Lucas, and I'd like to think that we should sue them. Sure. Okay. Draw up the papers. All right, I'll do it. I'll get my lawyer on the phone. <laughs> my lawyer is uh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, okay. He's not a lawyer, but he's uh, he plays one on TV. Wait, wait. Can I call my lawyer real quick? Okay. Okay, hold on. Okay, I'll pass you the phone. Hello. Hello there, Jason. Jimmy Stewart's your lawyer? Well, I'm, I'm, old, I'm old Brendan's lawyer there. What, what you got? What you got for a case? Well, I don't know if you're going to be as useful to us unless we send it to Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, tell, tell, me, tell me what's going on. Well, uh, it turns out that uh, the George Lucas talk show ripped off our fake George Lucas bit. Okay, uh, so problem number one, that's going to be tough for us in court. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the fuck that is. Oh, I, I imagine uh, I think you made him up. Uh, I could have been. Al I was definitely alive when he was alive. Now, Jimmy, listen, Jimmy, don't give me that. There's no way George Lucas didn't oh. call you for Obi Wan Kenobi. Listen, I, oh, I definitely didn't audition and didn't get the part. I don't know who told you that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jimmy. We'll be in touch. Well, I'll help you sue the pants off of them. I will. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll go down and we'll uh, we'll rustle up some orphans and we'll bring them to court. That's what we'll do. Uh, that's a great idea. I'm down for that, Jimmy. All right. Well, I got to go shoot some Germans, so uh, jetpack. You, you know, wait, why did, wasn't he just calling from Republican heaven? I know. He jetpacked on the phone. That was weird. Well, they, that's how they get around in Republican heaven. They, 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 it, it you know, it, it puts more CFCs into the atmosphere. I mean, at least wait till you're by yourself for a jetpack. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's what my mother told me growing up. You can jetpack anytime you want, but it should be in the privacy of your own room. Yeah, or if someone's watching, they want to watch. Yes. You got to make sure, Louie. ZK? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm making sure he's listening. Okay, hi, Louie. Louie, Louie, go do your Richard Pryor thing, or I don't want to listen to you.
Talk about jerking off in front of the ladies and why that's a problem and, and how you're shitty for it. And uh, then maybe I'll listen to you again. Uh, let's see here. Um, at the strip club is when we first see Ray Dublo, which is the most appropriate place, I suppose, if you're going to do a uh, blow. Is that a strip club? It's almost expected. If you don't do it, then people look at you funny. That's why I don't go to strip clubs. Don't need blow. I'm crazy enough as is without cocaine in the mix. Sucker punches that guy. Janet has a really cool Ford Tempo van. Did you notice that? I didn't. We don't have that sort of van over here. Hmm. But uh, I like that. Uh, Get indoors, mother, you nosy fucking cow. (laughs) Uh, That made me laugh. Mm -hmm. But she's an old lady. She wants to know what's going on. I know my grandmother loves to know what's going on. Both of them, but one specifically. Me? Are you my grandmother? Jason. And am I my own grandpa? I am Nanny McPhee. Oh, sweet. Well, we'll talk later. I'll uh, set you up with a job. That's a different movie. How uh, dare you? That's the Nanny McPhee theme song. Nope. Nope. I'm pretty sure that's Mary Poppins. Emma Thompson, get at us on... Actually, that's not Mary Poppins. That's fucking Cinderella. Excuse me. Bibbity bobbity boo. What are we oh. even doing here? I don't know. Shit. Have a Thompson. Get at us on Twitter. So they go searching for Billy at one point, and they're all, well, I shouldn't say they're all, but Ray's fucking drunk as shit. And of course, they got the kid in the car while they're do, doing that, mm-hmm. dragging her along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy steals a picture from Ray, which I think is a picture of Ray's mother, and sells it for heroin. We see a lot of good times and bad times in this movie. He says he sold it, but I, don't, I, don't, I think he, li- didn't they find it later? Yeah, I, I I assumed that she just went and bought it from the pawn shop that he sold it to. Oh. We talked about the long conversation about a dog that turns into a fight with a bystander. Initially, uh, Val lies about being beat up by Ray and says she was run over by a car. But that clearly didn't last long because there was no transition, but at some point everybody knew what had actually happened. Small town, people are going to find out. Uh, of course, Ray shows up ready to murder everyone, is screaming that he's going to murder everyone, and eventually he gets his just desserts from a mulleted Scotsman that lays him out on the fucking ground. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. That guy, oh man, I like that guy. He's just so 80s. Even though this was 1997, this guy was super 80s. Just a fucking huge with a mullet and Scottish, and that's not a man you want to fuck with. Ray has a bit of a bad lieutenant arc in this movie, and when I say that, I mean like the original Abel Ferreira movie. You mean he jerks off in front of a car? Yeah, and uh, uh, screams at Jesus. (laughs) Right, right. No, just in the sense that throughout the movie, I got this foreboding that Ray is getting worse and worse and worse. And although I will say at the end of this movie, like he does seem to be making a bit of a turnaround, even just the most minor, whereas Harvey Keitel is not at the end of uh, Bad Lieutenant. Mm -hmm. But I had a similar feeling of just like, oh, this guy's fucked. This guy's just going down a bad path and it's not going to end up good. Uh, he has that whole daddy issues monologue we talked about. Billy rests it and smuggles in some some butt junk. He does the butt junk, and he had we we have a nice shot with a single tear rolling down his face. Thank you, Gary Oldman. So you he, lazy has, he has essentially sniffs his own butt. Yeah, no. He, well, he smokes his own butt. I mean, when in Rome. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, and then at the at the at the they're at the pub, and the lady is singing, "My heart belongs to daddy." Mm-hmm. 
that that mm, that no, I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. And then of course my last note is that everybody has a laugh over Billy's possible prison rape. I I don't like when when people when adults say daddy. No, no. And you know what? To each, to each their own. You know, in your own private life, do what you do. But in public, uh, that comes off real creepy. I'm just gonna say it. It it genuinely makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And and you could sure anybody could say it if they want, but that's just how I feel. <laughs> I agree. Um. Jason, I want to I want to tell you a few few quick bits about this movie. Uh, the song that the grandmother sings in the pub at the end of the movie was uh, was dubbed. The actual singer was Gary Oldman's mother. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman put one point four million dollars of his own money into this movie. That's all that uh, professional money. Yeah. All that, all that Leon. Um, actually, Janet is played by Gary Oldman's sister. Oh. Layla Morse is his sister. She's great. Yeah, uh, and he spent a year and a half prepping this movie before it was even before it was even being filmed. I believe this is his only movie that he's directed and written. Only one, first and only writing and directing credit. Um, on a uh, there was an interview with Kathy Burke where she said she was only she won at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, and she said she was only aware of the win when Gary Oldman phoned her and said, "Get on a plane immediately." And she she said she didn't have a valid passport, <laughs> so they had to like basically get her a private jet. So she could attend the presentation. <laughs> Call in some favors, finagle some government officials. I love what, what IMDb considers a trivia, because yeah. I'm just going to read this for you, Jason. Okay, please do. A scene from Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now is shown on TV. Gary Oldman starred in Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's not trivia. I mean, that's a that's just a tangential connection, I suppose. That's stupid. I mean, I don't know, because that... that that scene figures into the character of Danny, so I don't know that it was... I don't think he just put it in there to be like, Ah, Frankie, I put your movie in my movie. But Jason, the ultimate thing is that this movie is obviously a piece of shit because under the goofs it says that there's a boom mic visible in the supermarket parking lot. I didn't notice it. So there you go. That's the end. That's it. That's, no, it's, it's fine. Worse. I didn't notice it, so it's okay. No, it, it's the it's tip, tip, tipping point. It's, no, it's not good anymore. It's fucking scumbag. Uh, this movie does not go to the Oscars. What?! I mean, I'm not that shocked. I've never no. even heard of this movie. I had, but I think it was because it was a Criterion disc at one point, and oh. I was aware of the Criterion discs. I've never seen the 400 Blows, Brendan, but I know it exists because of Criterion. I have seen the 400 Blows. Oh, is it any good? It is terrific. Okay. You should watch it. Have you seen uh, Salo? Yes. Oh, how's that? But it does go to the BAFTAs, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. No. <laughs> it's like it's like reliving trauma. Yeah, I imagine. Um <laughs> this movie goes to the BAFTAs and it is nominated for best actor for Ray Winstone, but it loses to someone we talked about, and that's Robert Carlyle for the full Monty. Oh, well, I mean that's I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough call. I mean, I, I think he's fantastic in that movie, but I think Ray Winstone really puts in a fucking fantastic effort here. Although I'm always like a secret supporter of when you can get somebody to win for a comedy. True. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because comedies don't get the love they deserve. Uh, best Actress, Kathy Burke, is also nominated. The winner that year is Judy Dench for a movie called Mrs. Brown. I'm assuming not Mrs. Brown's Boys. Yeah, no. Not the I'm, film that led to the TV show. I say that'd be funny if it's like, oh, no, we got an actual woman playing Mrs. Brown. Okay, yeah. well, so half the joke is gone. <laughs> And it wins Best Original Screenplay for Gary Oldman. And it actually wins, Jason, Best British Film. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, this, Who's it up against? Uh, I don't know. For you fucking mook. Look it up if you want to know. What do I... What, was it BFI what? <laughs> what? 1996? BAFTAs. I don't know. Whatever year came out. 97 maybe? 
Roger Ebert uh, gave it three and a half out of four stars. He said, the film's portrait of street life in South London is unflinching and observant. Um, the movie did not do that great in North America because uh, the budget for this movie, Jason, the budget for this movie is $9 million. Mm-hmm. And in the U.S., it made $266,000. Okay, outstanding British film. That year, the nominations, in addition to Nil by Mouth, were The Borrowers. I don't know if you know that one. I don't. The Full Monty, Mrs. Brown, Regeneration, and 24 7. There. Was that worth the wait? Was yes. that worth the 100%. I'm surprised it lost to The Full Monty. I was going to say, I'm surprised it lost to 24 7. What is going on? But of course, the, the best film that year was The Full Monty, so. Oh, oh, what? It won Best Overall Film? Best Overall Film, yeah. It beat Titanic? Absolutely. That's <laughs> hilarious. We probably already talked about that. We definitely have, but I'm still shocked because I don't remember stuff. But Titanic was not a British movie. Although no, I guess it's definitely just nominated for best film, though. Yeah, was it overall film? Yeah, nineteen ninety eight awards. Yes, it was. It was. It was nominated for other things, so it was definitely nominated. But Jason, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. That uh, that pretty much wraps up everything. Bits and bobs, awards, film talk. Uh, give us your final thoughts on Nil by Mouth. Nil by Mouth is sort of a modern kitchen sink drama. It's very dark. It's very uh, stark. Uh, there's a lot of like violence and 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 drama. And I I did like it. I did like it a lot. It it reminded me of Secrets and Lies, which we just talked about recently. Um, if darker, I would say. Oh. I would like to see a boxing match between Timothy Spall and uh, uh, Ray Winstone. Ray Winstone from this era. Okay, that would be a fun thing to see. Okay, how about that? Both of them now. Where they're both absolutely like, like rocking one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I want to see them fight each other. Uh, but no, this movie is great. It is a really interesting look at this family. It's 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 emotional. Um, yeah, I mean, Gary Oldman did a great job. I mean, if this was his one and done, hey, that's a pretty good uh, record to have, I would say. Yeah, it is still weird that his one movie on this list is just one that he directed and isn't in. Mm. But I mean, it is a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's probably not something I'll go back to. No, no, it's no. very bleak. And it's it's not it's not like yeah hey come on over we'll have a party we'll have some pretzels we'll watch no. no by mouth it'll be great no that's that's what we do with Schindler's List that's specifically what that's for yes because of course in Schindler's List we all laugh at the scene where uh, Ray finds uh, a gun won't go off right away you're sure that's Ray finds it's Ray finds because remember he got the part because Steven Spielberg liked him in Lawrence after Arabia oh. and I'm assuming he also enjoyed him in the Avengers later what kind of sickness does Steven Spielberg have to have watched Lawrence after Arabia. He was a big David Lean fan. I right? know, I know, but even and we were too. But, but Jason, surely he how, felt like we did. But Jason, how many how many shitty Star Trek shit have you seen? How much shitty Star Trek stuff have you seen because of your love of Star Trek? Well, less than ten percent. Okay, but still some. Some, sure. Okay. Well, that, I think that's just the, what it is. He's yeah. a big David Lean. Code of Honor, man. That's a, a big bad David, episode. Big David Lean, Mark, and he's like, I want to watch anything remotely associated with David Lean. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, good movie, solid movie. Number one in your hearts, 97 on this list. Moving on. Check it out. Good, because Jason, next week, finally, we are talking about the best British movie of all British time. As indicated by some white guys in 1999. And that is what I'm assuming is a very white movie. Yeah, probably. Uh, And that is The Third Man, which is, again, number one on this list. Directed by Carol Reed and starring Joseph Cotton, 
and Orson Welles. That's literally all I know about it. Don't know anything else about it, but I know Joey Cotts and Orson Welles, uh, both from Citizen Kane, are in this movie. And I know it is also a film noir. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Should be fun. You didn't know it was film noir? I mean, I figured it okay. was. Okay. Yeah, so there we go. We're going to we're going to finish off strong next week with the with the number 1 movie and then don't go anywhere cuz we got more stuff to do. Yes. And then of course, uh when the new year hits, we'll be doing something new. Yeah. So we'll be, we'll check be... that out. Well, I think we said it before. Oh, we'll be... Canada. Yeah, we'll be moving on to some looking at some Canadian movies for you folks out there. We want to introduce you to our home country's movies as well. But don't worry, we'll come back to the British soon after. Oh yeah, we can't leave our our queen in our country. No. But on that note, Jason, uh, we are all over the internet. We are everywhere. If, if people can't stop talking about us. Nope. We're on 4chan, we're on 8chan, Ugh. we're on oh, we're all chans. We are on Facebook. Just we search are. for For Screen. And Country. We are on Twitter at FSAC Pod. That's For Screen and Country Podcast. You can email us for screenandcountry at gmail.com. Jason is on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That is M A C L E O D. Stop on by, friends, and say hello. Do some heroin with them. Yeah, we'll we'll freebase. We'll we'll do it like Richard Pryor. We'll blow up uh, our pipe. We'll set ourselves on fire, and then we'll do an incredibly successful comedy special talking about it. There you go. And then maybe fuck Marlon Brando. Maybe because you'd also fuck a radiator. Remember? Well, I did buy some new butter, so uh, I'm ready to fuck Marlon Brando. Oh, that poor poor actor. <laughs> Not Marlon. His <laughs> co-star. Um, yeah, okay, so, and then, of course, uh, we've got to mention we are on all the podcast apps, so whatever you're listening to this on, congratulations, you've discovered our podcast, but hey. you also have many other options, so take a look, and you can also go to ageofradio.org slash for screen and country and check us out there as and well. And tell you what, wouldn't be a bad idea to subscribe to us on every podcast app. Do it, and set them all up to auto-download. That's right, make sure our numbers are up there we want to pump those numbers we want to show uh what were they thinking and we want to show how did this get made and we want to show uh never not funny and we want to show the joe rogan experience that we are here and we are not to be fucked with we're already above them in terms of listeners absolutely well certainly in quality of listeners <laughs> I feel like our listeners are much better people. Than our listeners are at are least better, one smarter, the, and richer. At least one of those podcasts that you named. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll let the listener decide which one. <laughs> but on that note, Jason, uh, we are going to say adios. So I just got to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. One, two, three, man. He man? Sheba. Shira? Where you find yourself out again?